The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Green Scene on The Pat Kenny Show with AIB, working alongside Irish communities towards a low carbon future. We pledge to do more. Each week, Dr. Ruth Freeman, Director of Science for Society at the Science Foundation Ireland, doing work all over the country, brings us under Green Scene uh, interesting items. So, who knew? octopuses dream when they go to sleep. Tell us. How this, how this, I need to know this. Uh, good morning. I Well, octopuses are fascinating. But we have thought for a while that maybe they do dream a bit like us. And humans, you've probably heard, we have two different kinds of sleep. We have our kind of active sleep stage, which we you, call You REM. start off with a deep sleep. Exactly. You have this quiet phase and this is where our brain waves are quiet and that's associated with, associated with kind of tissue repair, our immune system looking after itself. But then we have rapid eye movement sleep where we're often twitching, we have vivid dreams and we think this is associated with cementing our memories and learning. And we have thought for years that maybe octopuses did something similar because octopuses, when you watch them when they're awake, they move around a lot, their skin pattern changes, they're almost chameleon-like, they can have pulses of pigment moving through their skin and we see this when they're sleeping. But only recently scientists have been actually able to, to look at octopuses' brains while they're alive and awake and asleep. So they've come up with a technical way to look at the octopus's brain and scientists in Okinawa in Japan did exactly that. They had 29 little nocturnal octopuses and they monitored their brains while they were awake and asleep. And they were actually able to see a very similar brain pattern to to what we have in our own brains. And they could see these patterns of movement on their skin, the pigmentation uh, and and almost like they were... So really it's research into sleep? It's research into sleep, but it's about understanding how the brains of these fascinating creatures work. And I mean, look, the more we study other species on Earth, Earth, we're seeing there's so many more complexities to, to what but, they but do. But why, why, like I, I have Bella and Millie, my two cats at home, <laughs> and they stretch out and they sleep and they could be, they do dream because they, they, they shiver and they do different things and shake and so on. Like knowing that animals dream also, like what's that ever done for us like? Well, I think it's really interesting for us to understand what's going on. And also, I think it's about learning. You know, we don't even fully understand our own brains yet. So we can have models of other brains that are maybe a little bit simpler than ours. I mean, ours are complex. You know, that's going to help us understand learning, memory, and maybe then when things go wrong in memory or when we, we start to have diseases like Alzheimer's, the more we understand, ah, the better we, the better chances we no, are to so, solutions. So, okay, so it's really brain research is, it, is where it, this is all of the, And some of this research, we don't quite know where it's going to go. Okay. But it's, it's, it's important science. to do, yeah. All right, I'm really fascinated by the other topic because I think in the overall debate of sustainability and climate change and so on, I think aviation has got away scot-free because I was reading the other day that the total number of aviation flights across the world is going to rise to 200,000 per day. And even environmentalists fly all over the world. So we're doing all this thing about the built environment, about transport, about renewable sources of electricity for energy, changes in agriculture, right across the board. But yet, you know, business as usual, growth as usual for aviation. What's the story about aviation fuel? Well, well, yeah, well, one of the big aspirations of the the international aviation industry is using biofuel, because obviously with aviation, the challenge is you need a liquid fuel that you can pick up in any city around the world and it has to be compatible with the aircraft. And as you say, we're not seeing any great diminution in the number of flights being taken, which is a problem in and of itself. But biodiesel is seen as part of the solution. We now have commercial flights with 
up to 50% biodiesel. And while there's very low penetration at the moment, they're aiming for about 2% of the fuel being biodiesel by 2025. Um, but where is this coming from? I mean, we all think of biodiesel coming from plants, but this is some I new I thought work. it was vegetation. Well, a lot of it is, but this is a new study from a Brussels-based group called Transport and Environment. And what they're seeing is we're now seeing an increasing amount of the source material for biodiesel is actually coming from animal products. So it's the fat of cows, pigs and chickens, stuff that is not making it... Albeit a waste chain. product. It is a waste product. They're using that as a waste product and also discarded oil. So you'll see vans going around picking up old cooking oil. Out of the chippers. Out of the chippers. That's now going into your aviation fuel as well. The amount of this stuff is going up huge fold. So we've had a three, ti- three times increase in the last 20 years. Uh, we're seeing that triple again by 2030. At the moment, it's very expensive. It's about four times more expensive. And riddle me this. Uh, when you fill up uh, a tank uh, of an aeroplane with is it petrol? Is it diesel? Is it kerosene? Is it is it a like an is it a higher grade and therefore more pollutant? It, it, it's a blend. So you have aviation kerosene fuel, and at the moment you can mix some of this biodiesel in, and there's different standards for how much of it you can mix. It's much less polluting biodiesel. That is a very good thing about it. The particulate matter, as well as the car- I mean, the carbon footprint can be drastically lower. It can be up to ninety percent lower, even when you take into account the processing of the biodiesel. But but the issue here is as we see a rush to go to biodiesel using plants and animals. I mean, animals particularly, we are trying to cut down on Mm. the amount of livestock we're producing. So this waste stream should be getting smaller, not larger. And of course, that's at odds. And you have the methane emissions from bovine animals. You have to take all that into account. And of course, where the industry are going, they're looking at things like palm oil. And we all know the issues with palm oil. Tell me again the issues with the palm oil. These come from hardwoods, you know, long-lived forests. If you clear them, it's very hard to replace them. So to harvest the palm oil, you have to get rid to certain trees which are really good for the environment. These are long-lived, stable ecosystems and even when we hear about sustainable palm oil, you know, that has its challenges as well. So there are there are other plants. There's a plant called Jetropha which grows in kind of scrubland which people are looking at. But of course everyone is looking to the natural environment to see how they can meet their targets. So we want to meet targets on forestry. Um, so, so, so it's Another not- interesting point with, with the ubiquitous nature of aviation that actually there's going to be more turbulence. Explain that. That's right. So we are seeing wind patterns change. I mean, wind kind of goes from different pressure zones on the earth and it's impacted by temperature. So as particularly the temperature at the poles rise and the poles are getting hotter faster than anywhere else on earth, we're seeing a shift in wind patterns. And this study is seeing that we are particularly seeing an increase in what we call clear air turbulence at at high altitudes. So this is turbulence that pilots really don't have good uh, information to detect. Um, and and, we've and it's seen, becoming more prevalent. We've seen a 55% increase in that between the, the late 1970s and 2000s on typical kind of North Atlantic routes. So scientists are saying we need to equip the aviation industry with better technology so that we can detect this turbulence, which can be quite dangerous because often happens when, when passengers aren't strapped in uh, during their flight. Um, so, so you would change the flight uh, the navigation, the the the, the flight. You route. would need to be able to detect these wind patterns better, and certainly, I would say it seems like you should keep your seatbelt on when they tell you to during the flight. Indeed, indeed, fascinating stories there about dreaming octopuses and all aspects of aviation and the environment. My thanks to Dr. Ruth Freeman, Director of Science for Society at Science Foundation Ireland in our green scene slot. Thank you. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk.